0: Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Built on Purpose podcast, where each episode I interview exceptional leaders, entrepreneurs, authors, philosophers, and straight-up interesting people to explore their outlook on life, work, and leadership. My name is Brian Moore, co-founder and managing partner of y Scouts, and today I'm interviewing Adam Goodman. Adam is the president and CEO of Goodman's Interior Structures. The name of Adam's company means very little to you. Let me simplify Adam and his team sell office furniture. So why the hell am I interviewing a leader of an office furniture company for a podcast all about purpose? Well, I'm glad you asked. Adam's story is the absolute perfect example of how a third generation commodity driven company can evolve from a sell more stuff to more people to make more money to a company driven by a higher purpose. The Goodman story and the way Adam articulates it is raw unfiltered, and powerful. In this interview, we cover everything from Adam's dream of changing the community through journalism to the overwhelming feeling of nervousness and, dare I say, embarrassment he felt when sharing this newfound higher purpose in front of 200 of his team members. This interview is full of insightful stories and advice every leader can internalize and apply to his or her business or team humor sarcasm seriousness profanity it's all here even if you've heard the goodman story before i promise you've never heard it like this i'm already declaring this interview a repeat favorite without further ado adam goodman Ladies and gentlemen, joining me today is Adam Goodman, the president and CEO of Goodman's Interior Structures. Adam, absolutely a pleasure to have you on the show and cannot wait for what I anticipate to be uh, an incredibly raw and engaging interview here over the next, well, however long we're together. So thanks for joining us and welcome.
1: Well, thanks, Brian. I'm a big fan of the podcast. I've listened to a lot of them. It's nice to be here in your studio. It is exactly the way I pictured it would look. With the um, the framed motivational posters all over the wall, this is really uh, this is exactly what I would expect. This one over here with the kitty that says "Hang in there, kitty" is uh, it's 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 really inspirational. I can see where you get where you get your motivation from?
0: Well, you know, um, given just how much successories and their businesses had an impact (laughs) on my life, I just, I, I couldn't think of anything (laughs) and, uh, and we're off and running. This is going to be fun (laughs) for those of you out there who think that, uh, we're not kidding. Uh, please know that we are, um, so I, I, I want to start, Adam, uh, right out of the gate. Uh, the Goodman's organization uh, is now six-plus decades in existence. Give us just a high-level, a little bit of history about Goodman's, what you guys are all about.
1: Goodman's is indeed, as you point out, a 62-year-old third-generation family business We started uh, by bringing used furniture, my grandfather started by bringing used furniture over from uh, surplus military furniture from the East Coast, trucking it out West and selling it one stick of furniture at a time and uh, getting the cash to be able to afford another truckload and another truckload and while there were some uh, some low, low-lying bridges in Kentucky that wiped out the inventory periodically and 100-year floods that uh, wiped out the inventory periodically that kept building and building, my grandfather, my grandfather brought my uncle and father into the business in the 60s. And then uh, somewhere in the 90s, early 2000s, an unknown date, frankly, uh, the business transitioned from my father to me and um, i've been leading the company ever since
0: so you mean to tell me that running the family business was for you uh not the 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 destiny that you had grown up dreaming about
1: (laughs) i spent every summer break winter break fall break everything uh working in the warehouse working on the trucks doing installation um, and I learned a couple things from that experience. One is I'm I'm not meant to work with my hands. I'm terrible at it. I was very ineffective and uh, not a help to the team. Um, but also, this is not the industry that I wanted to be in. This was not very interesting to me at all. And um, I, I in college I started spending breaks working with our salespeople and shadowing them and and getting exposed to it. And um, I, I, I can tell you the exact moment that I realized. I don't want to do this. I was sitting in a, um, uh, a S Arizona State uh, Department of Purchasing office, and I, I was shadowing one of our salespeople, and they're having this just horribly boring conversation about <laughs> about contracts and things. I not I wasn't even paying attention, and, and um,
0: um,
1: that's when I realized, like, this is I don't want to do this at all, and so uh, that was the that was the turning point for me.
0: So you know, much to the uh, or to the contrary of everything that all of us have read in business about the right way to lead, uh, it sounds like <laughs> your entrance into the business and this lack of love you had for it. M- maybe we're just doing this whole business thing wrong, and we need people who absolutely have no interest in being leaders for a particular company to be the leaders of the company.
1: <laughs> well, I'm not sure. I'm not ready to go recommending that. I, I should say. <laughs> there there is an important um uh there was an important conversation with my father at one point so i went off to work in the newspaper world and uh was on a career ladder at Gannett newspapers that was uh frankly pretty exciting and fulfilling for me. And, um, my father had the conversation that, look, let me explain to you what it's like to own your own business. Let me, let me explain to you, um, the advantages and the benefits and what you can do. Let me explain to you where creativity comes into this field. And, um, and if you don't act soon, you're not going to have the opportunity. And, and, um, so I, I don't think you want to live with the regret of what could have happened if you didn't try this. Uh, that was a 1993 conversation. In, Here I am today.
0: Was it, I guess, two questions. At the moment, as you made this a bit of a crossroads decision to give up on the dream of being uh, in the journalism business and moving to uh, the business that you're in today, was it hard at that point to give up on the dream? And question number two, do you look back on it and is there any regrets?
1: I don't. I don't accept the premise of your question. Uh, frankly, I, I, I don't, I don't think I said I gave up on the dream. Um, <laughs> in fact, I, I, I haven't given up on the dream. Who said I gave up on the dream? Did somebody tell you I've given up on the dream? I still, <laughs> um, it's still inside me. And um, I still really feel strongly and passionately about the role newspapers play in a democracy and, and, and the impact they can have on a community. And um, I don't think I've given up on the dream.
0: What is what? Fuck so you. what? What,
1: what is? See. How dare you squash my? This is ridiculous. I'm I storming think, out of the studio despite uh, I, all the positive messages all over the walls.
0: <laughs> well, take the uh, the accessory right by the bathroom door. If you could take that one with you, I'm tired of staring at it. And I have to say that this is the first time, and this is our twenty second or twenty third episode, that I've actually had one of my guests uh, tell me to go fuck myself. So this is, I mean. This is monumental Listen, in a lot I've of ways.
1: Every, I've listened to every one of them, and I can pinpoint a moment in every one of these interviews where someone should have said it, but they just
0: <laughs> were too afraid to. Go. That's awesome. That's so-, <laughs> so, all right. So let me let me restate this dream yeah. uh, and the journalism connection and what newspapers and, and media in general can do to impact a community. Um, clearly, that dream is still alive. Um, Thank you. At the time, I guess the vehicle in which to pursue the dream then changed. But I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that that part of why you didn't join the family business earlier, in addition to not being great with your hands, getting bored during contract negotiations and whatnot, there had to have been some sort of, wow, this dream of impacting community through journalism. Am I going to be able to do that in a way that'll look differently through the family business? We're, 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 did that question come up?
1: Not at that early stage, no, um, no. It, it, it really it, it it wasn't quite so um, uh, cl- clearly stated as you just put it. It took a couple years of being in the business, learning the business, understanding how it works, understanding how to be successful at it. Um, before I started pivoting back to, well, wait a minute, I, I, I had a purpose in my life that was pretty clear to me, and um, and right now I'm I'm spending my time and energy um, selling file cabinets, and uh, this wasn't the purpose that I was that I was engaged in, and so no, that was a probably took about eight to ten years after I came into the business that I started reflecting back on, what is my purpose.
0: Were those eight to 10 years a bit of a grind and figuring that out or was the, uh, advantages that your father had shared with you about what comes with being in charge, running your own business, uh, not necessarily having to report to other people, um, did that, uh, outweigh the grind of figuring out where you fit and how you can live your purpose out while you're running a company?
1: Yeah, I'd say there was a vision set for me about what what my career could be. And um, yeah, it was a grind of, of learning it, just like anybody goes through uh, uh, on the ground floor of, of learning a new industry. So it wasn't a grind in the sense that you know, I, I, I hated getting out of bed in the morning. Not that kind of grind at all. There was it was a grind in the sense that all my mental energy was uh, focused on on figuring this out.
0: So I know a bit of an epiphany and I don't know that that's the right word, but there was clearly a turning point. And, and, and I recall I've I've done some research. Obviously, I've had the opportunity to chat with you a number of times and you decided to do something at a point uh, after you got your sea legs and you began asking both the clients who were customers of Goodman's as well as your teammates, those who were dedicating their lives to help Goodman's grow its business, you asked each of those two groups a very important question. What was that question?
1: I asked the customers, why do you do business with Goodman's? And I asked our employees, why do you work at Goodman's? And I, I made a really conscious effort not to synthesize what they were saying, not to analyze it, just simply to record it. No filters at all. And, and they would talk and I would write. And I, would, I had uh, little yellow legal pads. And I would fill them up and fill them up and fill them up with what everybody was saying to me and uh with was not really sure exactly what I was going to do with all of this, um, and I just carried them around in my in my briefcase as I would um, travel around right They were always there with me, but just too you know daunting and uh, uh, to, to sit down and read at once. It wasn't until I went to um, a, a workshop called Leadership Challenge, based on the book called Leadership Challenge um. And I'm sure on the podcast webpage, you can list the authors of Leadership Challenge. I can't pronounce the name of the guy, so I won't. But um, that was incredibly impactful. So Herman Miller, who is our primary uh, manufacturing partner, Herman Miller um, uh, sponsored this Leadership leadership Challenge workshop for for all the dealer principals in in the country. And uh, we spent two or three days diving deep into into the principles and tenets of leadership based on the book. And it was leaving that when I realized, oh, my gosh, I've got this incredible uh, cache of, of knowledge sitting in my briefcase. And on the flight back from Orlando, Florida to uh, Phoenix, I read every single one of those comments and let it all just kind of wash over me. And it was a very clarifying moment for me as I as I. Finally got the chance to go back of what everybody said. It became crystal clear to me what the purpose of Goodman's is. And if I could simply reframe the way we thought about business, we're not about selling widgets, which is up to then is really what I thought we were about. We were about what's the purpose? The purpose was to sell more stuff. But as I listened to what our employees said and what our customers said about about why they were associated with us that wasn't the case at all. There was a much higher purpose involved and we were we were helping to change organizations to change people's lives to change the way they work to change the way they help others this is we were changing the community and and somewhere over you know Texas probably is when i I had that epiphany and I think that is the right word that um, that there is a higher purpose to the company. And um, I wrote out a vision statement of what I thought we stood for. And I wrote out, um, and I'm a little embarrassed about this point, actually, Brian, um, but I went ahead and wrote out a full mission statement and a full um, and values as well. And I'm embarrassed about it because I don't think that's the way it's supposed to happen. Um, I think it's supposed to be more organic and there's supposed to be, you know, team retreats off some resort somewhere where you kind of sit around all day and think these things through. Um, but, um, I, it just sort of, I was channeling the the voices of all of our customers and employees and what they were saying and it. And it came pouring out on the paper. And, um, by the time I landed in Phoenix, I had it all written down. And then of course the next step is what am I going to do with it? How am I going to get this out there?
0: Well, it sounds like, if I may, that it was quite organic, just organic in a different way in that you asked these two very simple questions dependent upon which stakeholder you were chatting with and collected it over a period of time. I'm curious, any sense of how many yellow legal pads of or individual sheets uh, you poured through?
1: Is about
0: two hundred people that I talked
1: to. It took a year to to ask all these uh, all these people the questions. So about two hundred people, between the customers and employees. Um, how many sheets? I don't know. There are multiple pads, though, right? But I'm a sloppy writer and big writer, so don't don't read too much into
0: that. So uh, all right, so. Uh... This, this concept of changing the community and the way that lives are being quite profoundly impacted as a result of either working for or being a customer of Goodman's. At any point as you were pouring over this, was there the, the you know, the little, the, the angel on one side, on one shoulder, the devil on the other, and the devil saying, hey, listen, to use your words, you're selling file cabinets. It's bullshit. How are you actually changing lives selling file cabinets? Did that ever enter your mind?
1: oh my gosh, it's like you were there on the plane with me. Yeah, absolutely. That was, it was, um, who do you think you are? You're an office furniture company. You're not, you can't claim to be changing community. There's a, there's another dynamic I should mention as well. There were people working at Goodman's who had been at Goodman's longer than I'd been alive. And, and they had seen me working those summers fumbling with a, you know, drill or whatever it was, and not not being particularly competent. Um, and they um, they had seen they would seen me grow up, and for for me to stand in front of that those kinds of people who put me through college. Let's be honest about this. They put me through college, and I'm going to say to them, "Hey, by the way, we're, I think we're about changing the community, n- not so much about conference tables and cubicles." Right. Um, the thought of doing that was was really too much to bear. Um, I I couldn't possibly, so I, I, this document that I created, I stuck it in my, um, my, my metaphorical desk drawer, but it really wasn't my desk drawer. It was just in my, my documents folder, which is the way you do things now. I just left it in my documents and said, you know, someday I'll get to this, but I can't possibly share this with anybody now. It sat there for a full year before I had the courage to show a second human being, um, what what i was thinking and what it said
0: was there a particular uh, event or moment where you uh, this year goes by was there a particular uh, can you remember the day where you went back to this particular folder decided to either you know email print share whatever it was with the second human being what was that event if you can recall and who was the second person that finally got a chance to see this
1: uh i don't recall the event other than i think we were kind of talking around this topic of um of purpose and um i said i have got something i want to show you it was our marketing director and um i i printed it out since we're being technical on on document sharing i printed it out and i showed it to her and um I mean, her jaw dropped and she's like, this is us. You are described. This is who we are. Like, oh my, oh my goodness, this is fantastic. It was really gratifying to hear that kind of uh, feedback because it could have gone the other way and, uh, And I I wouldn't be on this podcast with you or I'd be there for different reasons. Maybe it would have allowed me to follow my dream of being in the newspaper business. And that's all. I I could have saved newspapers. Ah, No, probably not. Never mind.
0: Yeah, probably not.
1: Probably not. Right. Right. So I I, I, I share this with her and she said, uh, we've got to get this out. We've got to get in front of people. You've got to be able to talk about this. And so she helped me game plan of how we were going to uh, roll this out and um and get in front of people i the first big meeting where i um where i announced this was what this was this grand new ambitious vision statement. Uh, we were at a Mexican restaurant of all places. And uh, so in the entire Phoenix? Mexican <laughs> restaurant,
0: come on. <laughs> yeah, I know,
1: I know. <laughs> the, Mexican restaurant with a, with a, that had a particularly good setup for, um, for presentations and things. So, so um, we went there and I um, stood in front of everybody and, and, and announced that this is what it was. It was so, you know, it's seven 30 in the morning. People aren't expecting <laughs> this kind of thing at 7:30. There was no warning. The there, there were the burritos were uh, occupying everybody, like, um, and so it, it fell a little flat, uh, to say the least. A lot of blank stares. I did notice there were some people passing notes back and forth amongst each other from the stage. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I thought to myself, I, afterwards, when everyone's gone, I'm going to see maybe one of those notes is, is, is on the ground and I can learn a little bit more. And so the place cleared out. I got a couple um, like, oh, that was really nice kind of comments. And um, and I went over to those chairs and I found, I found one
0: of the notes. Oh, boy. How, by, by the way, before you share what was on this note, as I hope you will, how many people roughly were in the room?
1: About 200.
0: Okay, so a sizable audience at 7.30, eating breakfast burritos at a Mexican restaurant, hearing this, what I might guess is feeling like um, a load of, well, I'll let you tell what this note said.
1: The the note said, and this is two people, one of which had been here, been at the company probably 30 years, the other one about 15 years, um, and the, the note said, It's painful even to say, really. (laughs) Even to repeat it, it's so humiliating. The note said, "Um, I wish I had worn my boots today because the BS is so deep in here. Oh, boy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that hurts, I'm sure, especially as I can only imagine the amount of passion and belief. That was shared with you that another member of the team, um, your, your marketing director had shared to give you the confidence that maybe you are actually onto something. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I I appreciate your compassion for this.
0: Yeah. That, that had to have been really tough. Okay. So before, before we move on to how the, this story continues at any point or perhaps better question at what point did you seek, uh, either of the previous generation's leadership's advice, namely your dad or perhaps if still alive, your grandfather?
1: Uh, My grandfather's not still alive. I think think my dad heard it for the first time um, over a breakfast burrito. Uh, It's a good question, but I think that was the first time. The whole thing was uh, um, embarrassing, really, uh, um, because it felt so overly ambitious. It felt so big and so grand and so... Uh, different than what we had been doing, that um, I I think it was just uh, I just didn't have the courage to. I, I think that the only way I was going to get the courage was to do it in mass. But to do it one on one and risk getting um, anything other than you know uh, infectious approval would have really been damaging to my psyche. Th- yeah. This. Am I paying you for this therapy session? This is. <laughs> These are issues I have not explored, but I, I, I just poss- I couldn't risk the rejection. so in mass, what are they gonna do? They can't all boo, right? so in mass, I figured I can deliver it that way and then and then go from there and see what happens. I think it's I think in that way it's much safer to do it uh, on the stage than it is one on one
0: So hmm. all right, so that was what two thousand what three, four, six, what?
1: Five Maybe 2005.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. So uh, here we are 2016. Clearly a lot has changed within the organization. As you look back and you had mentioned you, you essentially, uh, the baton started passing somewhere around the mid nineties. Do you look back at the time prior to this presentation and today sort of the contrast between what is probably feeling like two very different companies. How how do you think about the company pre this message being delivered in, in 05?
1: I rarely go through that exercise. Great question. I rarely go through that exercise, um, except when we deal with either a, um, a a former employee who is now re-engaged with the company either they've come back to work here or they now work for a customer and they're working with us and um they always comment on what a different environment and culture uh it is but um i rarely spend too much time thinking about that i i just um you know I, i i honor what my grandfather and father built and the way they built it. And it worked for them and it wor- worked for the time and it worked for the community. It worked for the, like, it worked for the employees. That was the way to build a company to where it is. And I'm standing on the shoulders of giants, to use a cliche. And, and um, so to be able to have the luxury to pursue a purpose is only because they built the company the way it is with the strength it has uh, for me to be able to, to go and i think so uh yeah i i don't i just don't want to go down that road
0: yeah well uh, I, what i hear is a You're tremendous close to
1: getting amount. your second fuck you
0: <laughs> i hear it you know but seriously i hear a tremendous amount of gratitude in that a platform was built for you to leap from and and continue the evolution uh, undoubtedly from the time your grandfather ran it to the time how your grandfather. ran I, it right i mean it just continues how to dare evolve. i
1: challenge it question it
0: yes yeah, sure. Sure. OK, so now back to the stage. So you deliver the message, you see the note, uh, a profound impact like, wow, this, at least for a handful of people, if not more, think you're feeding them a line of bullshit. What happens next? How, how does this thing over the last 10, 11 years become? I mean, let's face it. Um, this is not the first time you've shared the story i am not the first person in the greater phoenix area that knows the story in fact i was at an event uh not more than two months ago and the vp of hr for TGen, which is the translational genomics research institute that's working on things like curing cancer used you and the Goodman's company as the example of a local purpose-driven organization. So clearly, something you've done has resonated in an industry that sells stuff. So what happened between stage or presentation delivery and today to really inculcate or bake this thing into who Goodman's is?
1: I realized I had to keep reinforcing this on a micro level. It couldn't be on the mass scale anymore. That it was introduced on the mass scale, but now it had to. It was a it was a ground game. It was a hand to hand combat kind of thing, and um, this meant uh, a, a lot of one on one conversations. I um, so the one on one conversations were about helping everybody in the company whatever their job is, to understand their direct connection to the vision of the company. How you, the work you're doing here every single day, processing uh, accounts payable, invoices, that work is having a direct. and here is how that is having an impact on the company, on the community, rather. And, um, It was, um, so that was a lot of individual conversations. It was a lot of handwritten thank you notes, little handwritten notes to home um, telling people, I appreciate what you did. Here's why what you did is going to make a difference in the community. And here's where your impact is gonna be. The notes to home are particularly effective because it it the, fa- the entire family sees it of the employee, the spouse, the kids, everybody, and um, now there's a sense of pride about the work that I'm doing at my job at Goodmans, is helping to make an imp- a difference and impact the community. Um, it was um, it was a lot of um, bringing people together in small groups to challenge them to say, okay, you've heard the vision of the commu- of the company, you understand our our goal. Now I want you as employees to think about the assets, the resources, and the talent that the company has at our disposal. And how can you take that and leverage it against needs that are in the community to make a difference? And that sparked all kinds of just insane ideas. Great, greatly insane ideas. Um, and, uh, And we took some of them and we pursued some of them and we are still doing some of them. Um, and it's, it's – once we, I, I, people understood that this doesn't have to be about furniture, right? The, the, the vision of the company doesn't say anything about furniture. It says we will change our community. Well, then what, are, what are tools that we have that we can do this? And as people got engaged in that and got connected to that, um, that's when it started to become magical. And um, that's, that's the primary difference between 2005 and 2016.
0: So I want to put you on the spot just for a moment. And so you're having these one-on-one communications with your teammates and you use the, uh, the the AP, the accounts payable example, and you're trying to connect the line of sight between the work that they're doing and the connection to how what that individual or team is doing is having an impact in a positive way in the community. How are you able to make that connection? Because in my opinion, where most leaders likely have the hardest time is not necessarily coming up with the higher purpose it's making that line of sight connection that every role plays an important part whether it's direct or indirect in the purpose of the organization so can you think back or maybe a different it doesn't have to be the ap example but if that one rings a bell i'd love to know more specifically how you help your team make that line of sight connection.
1: I feel like I can, you can drop me down at the desk of any one of our employees and and whatever they're in the middle of doing at that particular time, I can draw that connection to how that's making a difference in the community. In the example that you cited, um, so um, I I took one of the invoices that's on the desk and that was for some uh, tables for a, a local community college. So that was to pay one of our manufacturers for the tables for, the, for this local community college. Well, well, one of the things when I asked customers, why do you do business with, uh, with Goodman's, the, um, a community college in particular specifically talked about the environment, the classroom environment that you created for us. Um, we did a before study and an after study about the effectiveness of the classroom design. Before Goodman's came in and helped redesign the classroom, um uh we got scores from faculty students and administrators about effectiveness and then we did the exact same test afterwards and what we learned is the changes that we made in the in the classroom um, improved the learning outcomes for students uh, across the board from students faculty administrators all agreed that this is a change so the table the invoice you're processing allowed us to go out put this table in the classroom allowed us to help students create better learning outcomes, that's changing the community in and, and about as direct a way as I can think of.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'd say that's a pretty damn good example. Okay. I thought maybe I'd get you on one and and hmm. clearly that's not it. I'm going to have to keep going. So let, let's talk about environments because clearly what you're up to uh, is more than just peddling file cabinets and desks and chairs. There is nothing short of a revolution going on in the workplace in general, in all aspects of the workplace, top to bottom, both with people as well as with the physical and built environment. Um, Just, uh, and I don't want to go too far into this, but I am curious, and this is your world, what's happening right now at a macro level in workplace environments that you're seeing uh, and any advice that you might be able to share with leadership Who's thinking about how to continually improve profitability, productivity, engagement, uh, recruiting the best type of people? Where does environment play and and what are the trends that you've seen or are seeing?
1: That's like a graduate level class uh, (laughs) to
0: to, to teach, but okay, we'll try.
1: Do your Um, best. uh, Yeah, I'll do my best um so first of all the, the 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 big um revelation that came a few years ago for most organizations is that when you're looking to change your culture when you're looking to improve productivity you're looking to all those sorts of things that you mentioned traction attract your attention um it isn't simply enough to uh, write a memo and say, um, "Okay, we're changing our culture now to be more collaborative," <laughs> um, because the physical environment sends so many cues to the, the employees and the guests about um, about what you want, what behaviors you want them to have. That you, if there's a if there's a disconnect, if there's incongruity between your physical place and the ambition you have for. For uh, the company, it's going to get detected and it's going to work against you. So, so most organizations seem to have crossed that bridge already, and and get it. We still run into some who, who haven't quite figured that out yet. The um, the next iteration of that is um, is is we had uh, customers coming in saying, "Well, we want we want offices like Google. We want to be like Google." Um, and uh you know fast company and, and ink magazine all these guys are publishing photos of 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 slides and all kinds of wacky crazy things and of course the the, the foosball tables everywhere and we we, we want to have that 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 culture that environment and um the now that that's a um the idea that you can simply adopt somebody else's ideas for workplace environment and culture and 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 overlay them on top of your own and you'll magically have that uh, culture is is misguided it doesn't work that way and um, now what we do is get much deeper into an understanding about each individual company's um, character purpose culture and we use that information to help design Uh, of of an office environment that's specifically suited for them. Uh, We want to understand how work gets done in that particular company. And what's really interesting as we've been doing this is no two companies uh do work the same way um, i mean i guess that's a stupid obvious point i just made there but um but you think in general everyone's got the same essential tools of microsoft this and that and everyone's you know kind of cell phones and tablets and you think generally but the truth is uh collaboration happens differently independent work happens differently um, all these things uh every company has their own unique way of working with hierarchies around hierarchies um Uh, Privacy is is handled completely different from one organization to the next. Some organizations are completely transparent and others. um, What what I'm doing on my desk can't be shared with anybody else because it's it's sensitive information. So so we have to look at all those types of uh, factors for each individual company and design against that. If a slide and a foosball table makes sense for your particular character and culture, then great. Then let's put a slide and a foosball table in there. But um, more often than not, we're seeing very different environments, and what the, the net result is, we're creating we're creating work environments that have a high degree of diversity in the spaces that they offer to people. There's a great saying that Herr Miller came up with: is that workers are shoppers, and workers want to be able to pick and choose where they do their work in the environment just based on the the mood that they're in, the technology that they, that they need, the amount of collaboration that they need, the privacy that they need, and, and so on and so forth, the analog tools that they may need. And so um, what we do now is give, um, is give our customers this choice, an array of choices, um, so that employees instinctively understand just by looking at the space, how to use a particular room, when to use a particular room. And now that there's less friction between the environment I'm in and the work I want to do, the work gets done much easier, much faster, much higher quality.
0: I'm curious if the world we've come from, specifically the business world we've come from, where everybody had their desk, their homeroom, to draw an analogy to our elementary school days, Mm -hmm. that was yours and yours alone. And what sounds like is moving more towards this creating an environment with multiple utilization cases, with different types of setups based on the work, of course, keeping in mind the importance of confidentiality and all that you mentioned. Is there a psychological struggle that you're met with and your team is met with in helping an organization move from traditional to this 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 unstoppable freight train of where uh, the world and and specifically the business world is moving.
1: Yeah, great question. Insightful question, Brian. So, um part of the process we go through people's we we want to understand exactly where you're at right now, the way you work um, your, your character, culture, purpose, and your 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 modes of work right now. We also want to understand your ambition of where you want it to go. And this is usually a leadership conversation. The leadership will say things like, "We want to be able to have more mobile technology. We want to be able to have more video conferencing, or whatever the case may be." And so, um, yes, if, if 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 the leadership doesn't have ambition to 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 move to a different spot then we're not really recommending too many changes. So to answer your question, no, it's not much angst involved because there's not really a whole lot of change that we're gonna make. Um, however, if the company has ambition to move uh, along the continuum of um, technology collaboration or, or any of about 10 different factors, then there's gonna be, um, there's gonna be some change. And that's where we, we bring in a change management uh, expert that we have in-house, who is going to work with work with the, the leaders of the organization to help explain the concept. This is why we're doing what we're doing, and um, and and get the buy-in. It requires a lot of sharing, a lot of communication, transparency, and what we find by the time the the environment is ready and we're done with our installation, the uh, the company is prepared for that for that change. And it's much smoother, but it, it it required us to go out and uh, recruit someone who is a specialist in, in this kind of
0: thing. So a great segue, and you didn't even know you were doing it in recruiting and as an organization that has a higher purpose of changing the community for the better. um, You obviously I want to bring people on who are going to feel a very deep sense of connectivity between their own purpose and what matters most to them and how they'll be able to manifest that within the Goodman structure. Right. Um, and more than just maybe participating in some of the community activities, uh, a few that I just find absolutely so awesome. Uh, you know, the foster children, um, project that you guys started in Tucson, um, taking old furniture, uh, when you put new stuff in, taking a client's old furniture by their request and then donating it to nonprofits instead of what I would imagine most companies do is try and sell it and make money for themselves. You're instead making a massive impact in a positive way for the nonprofits who are doing very mission-driven work in the community. For your 60th anniversary, I remember seeing some of the videos circulating around the web of instead of you know, holding a big fancy party to celebrate Goodman's and, hey, come look at us. Instead, what you did was you chose to use it as an opportunity to, well, imagine this, change the community by recognizing people uh, around the state of Arizona who are doing honorable, good, solid, day-to-day work and um, celebrate them by giving them one of your chairs, I believe it was a Herman Miller chair or something to that effect. So besides those things that are clearly having an impact, they can't just give stuff away or, uh, you know, act in a way that, that fills them up only. How do you, or how does your recruitment team, your hiring managers, how do you really tell if someone's the right fit for Goodman's?
1: It's, We're so public about what our purpose is, and we're so – it's so out there. And the examples you just gave are – they're all available, and anybody applying to work here can see them and read them. And they come into an interview and, um, frankly, tell us exactly what we want to hear. Um, And it's really, really hard to – Discern whether they believe this, whether they are aligned with us, or they're just telling us what what they want to hear, and uh, we struggle with that. Now, um, thankfully, there are purpose-based recruiters out there that I don't want to mention my name, but Y Scouts. Okay, I mentioned one by name, Y Scouts, um, which which anticipates that very problem and um creates a a blind process where the the you you explore the candidates um purpose first before there is a job on the table to talk about and um and now when you bring a, when Y scouts brings a candidate to us we we know for sure there's alignment or disalignment i guess um, because it was an honest conversation about what, about what your purpose is. And if indeed their purpose, if indeed they are motivated by making a difference in their community, well, then we have a match. Now it's a matter of finding what skills do they have that we can apply to, to our company.
0: So in the absence of, and thank you for the, uh, for the plug, uh, in the absence of being able to rely on as many companies can not outside help and they want to do it themselves, Is it simply a matter of trusting your gut and determining whether or not uh, your read on them is right, that they're telling you what they've read? Or is it really something that is authentic to to who they are and what they want to become a part of?
1: Honestly, Brian, I think it's so hard, Um, and I I can't tell you we do a great job at it. I know we don't. We've made mistakes. Um, We're we're listening for – uh, examples of, uh, okay, that's, uh, that's terrific that you are, um, passionate about, about building community. So can you give some examples of what you've done? And when someone comes in, well, I started this organization. I, I volunteer over here. I'm on the board of this then. Um, okay. <laughs> then, then that has some more credence, but the, the people who say, well, I, you know, uh, uh, my church, I, helped with the carnival once (laughs) then we we can kind of see through that and it kind of does break out into those two kinds of camps um either you you're in all the way with both feet or um not so much
0: so uh, i i want to i want to talk about for a moment what is the number one value core value of goodman's and that is that there is nothing more important than the welfare of our people, your people. And you had a bit of a, uh, how should I say? Uh, you, you, you had a, a revelation moment not too terribly long ago. And I think it came on the heels of you watching a, a YouTube video that was based on the Everybody Matters book, um, which is the story of the Barry Waymiller Company. And as a leader, you realized something about your leadership style that was probably right there in front of you the whole time. And I have obviously known you to be incredibly transparent and hugely humble when it comes to making recognition and things that that you could be doing better. And you you shared this story with me, and it impacted me in a very profound way. And I I, I think there are thousands of leaders out there that need to hear this tiny little very important lesson that you shared with me because I think it will just help our community become a better community. Do you mind sharing that story? I don't,
1: um, I, and I haven't. It's so fresh. I haven't fully processed myself or figured out how to... Um, change behavior. But I, I um, yes, the number one value of Goodman's is there's nothing more important than the welfare of our people. That is correct. And um, I w- realized that people, uh, I was I was thinking of it in, in the plural sense of the word people. And um, that leads you to think about in terms of um, the mechanics of Uh, benefits and compensation and culture and um, transparency and development, all in a kind of a macro sense. And um, the the book, Everybody Matters, really hit me hard to realize that when we say there's nothing more important than the welfare of our people, there's a singular sense of the word people as well. And there are, are individuals that honestly i i am a better communicator in mass than i am one-on-one um and so i was leaning on that mass communication um uh, style or strength to be able to communicate that but i wasn't doing a very good job on the on the individual one-on-one and so um I could very well say with a straight face there's nothing more important than the welfare of people and spend a couple hours, you know, working on it and um, emasculate somebody in the room with a, uh, a cutting biting comment that, um, that I couldn't, that I couldn't stifle and, um, and, and probably send that person home upset, hurt, deflated, um, and then they go home to a family who needs their time and energy and attention, but yet they've just left the office, you know, humiliated, let's say, to take an extreme example. And, um, and do they have the emotional reservoir to be able to be present for their wife and kids or husband and kids? And um, what impact does it have on those kids and that spouse when, when they aren't um, uh, available for them the, the way they should be? and um it really really sort of hit me between the eyes that I, I need to be much more aware and present about um about how i treat individual people um and be concerned about their specific welfare um mentally emotionally i uh, i don't mean to suggest that i do a lot of um uh, a, a lot of this kind of these biting comments that i'm but th- it happens, uh, as you've already heard in this podcast. I got a, a, a bit of a taste for sarcasm or um, a, a witty remark, and sometimes that comes at the expense of other people, and um, that's that's absolutely unacceptable. And so, what I haven't processed is how am I going to how am I going to change that? Um, because one of our other values of the four is improvement, and so um, this is clearly something that I need to improve. Um, so, so that all Goodman's employees can leave the office and go home and do what really matters and what really is changing the community. Because the fact is, the more they can be present emotionally for their own families, that's going to have every bit of an impact on the community that the foster program does or anything else that we do does. Uh,
0: I Thank you for sharing that, Adam. It's a, it's a, it's a great story. I think one that deserves to be told. And, uh, I, I just really appreciate you, uh, allowing us to tap into that depth uh, of your character and sharing it with others who undoubtedly, uh, myself included, uh, need to really reflect on that. And, and what is the difference we're making and what kind of an impact do we have with the individuals that we spend, you know, Hours on end with in the office and how do we send them home to be with whomever it is they're going home to uh it's it's a really important question so speaking of going home and the people we spend our our home lives with um, you you have fourth generation Goodmans uh, growing up under your wings I'm curious um, what advice do you give them uh, about career, about how they should think about it, about whether or not you want them to carry on in, in your footsteps?
1: <laughs> I, I identify a great deal. with So my kids are still pretty young, 16, 13, and 10. And um, they don't have a whole lot in this uh, business, and that's fine. Um, I, I don't talk a lot about file cabinets and cubicles um with them but i do talk a lot about the work we do in the community and the impact we have on people's lives and uh that that i do share and i uh what they do know is that that's important to me and that the that my job at goodman's and the the whole point of the company has been uh, framed as a way to make a difference in the community and um and they know that are they are they going to be i don't now, you know, we're not we're not there yet. But, um, we we don't have those kinds of conversations yet, and I don't certainly don't want to put them in a position of feeling um, like they need to let them explore their own journey, uh, find their own path, and um, if it happens to end up here, and maybe what they find is they can uh, they they can reframe Goodmans yet again to to pursue some other purpose, uh, and that would be that would be a blessing. But for God's <laughs> sakes, let's slow down there.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the, the the days are long, but the years are fast. As a parent, is uh, exactly so true. So true. So uh, one of my last questions, uh, and I think probably my last, uh, at least I'll try to 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 have this be the last, is that you know, looking from the outside in, you run an organization, at least from my perspective. You're not looking to exit. There isn't a plan where you're looking to get out of the business, to recapitalize on all of the investment that's been made. So I assume, perhaps incorrectly, that your grandfather, your father, you, have consistently looked at this business as a long-term business. That, If that's true, do you think that that has served as an advantage and has allowed you perhaps some more wiggle room to deliver a message like you did in 2005 to say that you're introducing a higher purpose for the organization that goes far beyond just selling more stuff for the sake of generating more profit. Do you think that long-term perspective has been a silent contributor or perhaps even a vocal one to the way you think about the impact you can have through your leadership at Goodman's
1: you're so insightful Brian that's that's another excellent question or point um, yeah absolutely that 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 long time horizon um, means the little blips here and there don't matter as much um, as long as we we're in it for the long game. Um, we've talked a lot about the vision of the company. We've talked a little bit about our values. The mission of the company is the day-to-day blocking and tackling that we do. This is this is the this is the day-to-day stuff that we're doing. And the mission is to create great lifetime furniture experiences. And that word lifetime is uh, pretty unusual because what the hell is a lifetime furniture experience? And it's a recognition that we have customers, when you engage with us, it's not a one-time transaction, but it's, it's a long-term, it's, it's, it's as long as you own the furniture. And there's a lot of our clients that's in the 30, 35 years of relationship. They've owned the same piece of furniture that doesn't wear out. It, it might ugly out because those colors are gone, but good Lord, the colors are coming back again. So <laughs> it's still fresh. and And so, when you have that kind of vantage point to see the long term, now you can think about you can think about the importance of engaging customers to stay with excuse me engaging employees to stay with those customers for the long term to become intimate with them over the long term and it absolutely colors everything. Could we have done this in our early days and be able to talk like this? I don't think so. I, I think you're you're really right um, that 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 long vantage point has given us the advantage the ability to be able to do it. We are. You know what's interesting is, like Y Scouts, we are a, a B corporation, a benefit corporation, and um, most of the benefit, most all of the benefit corporations are much younger companies than we are. That's we sort of stand out in the B corp crowd for being such an old company. And and um, I get asked about it a lot about, "Wow, geez, a third generation family business in a commodity industry, uh, how how is that possible?" And I look at it from the way you just framed it is. Uh, the only way I can imagine this happens is we have the the long-term vision and the strength and stability of what's been built before us to be able to go pursue something greater than just simply bottom line profit, but actually a greater purpose. So yeah, good good for you.
0: Uh, I, I love it. I love it. For those of you out there that uh, are unfamiliar with Goodman's, you've obviously gotten uh, a nice taste of what Adam Goodman's all about his leadership and the way he is thinking about uh, the furniture business and the impact that they can have on their clients, their customers, their employees, and the community at large. If you want to find out some more information about Goodman's, uh, their website is goodman's, spelled like it sounds, dot info, I N F O, goodman's dot info. Goodmans.info. So you can learn quite a bit more about the Goodman's team the impact that they're having by visiting Goodman's info, Adam, always, always a pleasure. Love, love, love chatting with you. Um, you have such great stories. You have such a, as you pointed out, a, a wonderful sense of humor and sarcasm that I personally find phenomenal um, and, and a ton of fun. And uh, we, we set a few records here today. Uh, namely the, uh, you know being told to go uh, to go fuck off is is quite a quite an accomplishment so um maybe this maybe this is the beginning of of, of something very special for me who knows
1: i certainly hope so and i <laughs> i uh the, the the whole point of my call now that we're wrapping up is um i want to make sure you understand we're running a special this week on um 7 day home delivery of our newspaper that you can get 7 days for the price <laughs> of 5 and the sunday paper is going to be an additional $1. 75
0: uh, <laughs> Uh, The dream is
1: not dead, for God's sakes. No, clearly not. not.
0: Clearly not. It's manifesting itself in a whole new way. Probably a good thing. I mean, you know, the newspaper business, you know, selling yesterday's news today as a model seems to be a a little flawed given uh, the access that we have. But, uh, you know. I, I hope they figure something out. Clearly, lots of great people who stand for something. great. Well, listen,
1: not, not not to be defensive about the industry, but I'll tell you, I I really believe if um if if newspapers still um had the the relevance and power today, our political system wouldn't be quite in the same. We'd have a a better, more informed citizenry, and we wouldn't be in the mess that we're in now. But. Hey.
0: But don't you think but don't you think we're getting that information? Now granted, it may not have the same journalistic integrity given whatever medium you're tapping into, but the ubiquity of information specifically related to what's happening in the world seems to be there's there's more access to it than we've ever had. Uh, do you think it's an integrity issue?
1: It, you're, you're, yeah, sure. There's access to information, but it's it's access from a vantage point. The, the beauty of professional journalism is the uh, the ability to to sift out um, the politics of the left and the right, and to just report on on really what's going on. And um, I may people may be snickering at me saying things like that, but I honestly believe that the the professional journalism is really a noble calling. And, um, and I think the people that practice it do it. I think they do a tremendous job. And so, yeah, you can get on Twitter, uh, right away something, what happened and, uh, a snarky comment about, about why it happened. But, um, it takes professionals, just like it takes professionals in any, in the medical field or education or anywhere else. It takes professionals to really, uh, discern the actual events and, uh, and and, and deliver them to you in a way that you can, that now you, as the, as the voter or the reader can make your own decision about what's going on. Jeez. Well,
0: no, nor did I, I think we've got a whole nother, uh, podcast, uh, waiting in the wings, uh, and a conversation for another time, but I, I do, I do love it. I think it could be, uh, a really great conversation, but, uh, why don't we, uh, before we get too far ahead of ourselves and turn this into another hour, maybe we should uh, do the honor. I've got time.
1: I've got, I can clear my calendar. We can do it right now. <laughs> I, I don't know where, where you got to be, but I can do it. All
0: right. Thank you, Brian, very much. <laughs> Adam, great chat with you, man. Have a, uh, have a great rest of the week. And uh, I have a feeling we'll be chatting sometime soon. Excellent. Take care. Excellent. I hope you enjoyed hearing Adam's story. If you're interested in a transcribed version of the episode or want to listen to more episodes of the Built on Purpose podcast, please visit yscouts.com forward slash podcast. And if you'd like to recommend someone as a guest for the show, please drop me a line at brian at yscouts.com. I promise more great interviews are on the way. Thanks again for listening.